And there's Garth Brooks, or as he's often referred to, <laughs> Tim McGraw. A few people call him Garth, but his good friends call him Tim. <laughs> All right, so the question of the morning here, Kenny Rogers, the gambler, passed away over the weekend. And, of course, uh, the gambler. Are those the best lyrics to guide your life? Or do you have better lyrics when it comes to life advice? And Jeff David tweeted in, Garth Brooks, live like you are dying. Oops, my bad, Tim McGraw. It's okay, Jeff, we'll forgive you. We'll make fun of you forever, but, uh, you know, we'll forgive you. Ryan actually gave him a pass. He tweeted an honest mistake. Both are legends. Okay. Uh, Okay, yeah, I could buy that. All right, so uh, what are the songs? Uh, Steven says, I kissed a girl and I liked it. (laughs) Words to live by. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I kissed a girl and I liked it. uh, The End of Everything by Slipknot. I have to admit. The End of Everything. I I don't know the lyrics. I'll just go with the title. I think I see where you're going, though. Faithless by Rush. Man, Rush fans are oh, hardcore. Hate, they, always, they always... I hate Rush. <laughs> I do, too. But, man, people love Rush. There's only two... Nobody likes Rush. You either hate them or you think they're the greatest band of all time. They're not even close. Hi, Greg Rubel. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Greg Rubel for 500 Alex. <laughs> uh, Lane says, how about Don't Worry, Be Happy? Ah, that sounds good, but sometimes you got to worry, don't you? A little I, bit. Yeah, try, try being a parent and tell me, don't, don't worry, worry, be, be happy. happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be over here biting my nails, sweating it out. <laughs> yeah, get Your kid's going out. She's got the car for the first time. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, right? The most disconcerting thing about becoming a parent was realizing how much my parents were bluffing all along. I thought they knew everything. They were totally bluffing. I'm newer to the parenting than both of you guys are, and that's exactly my thought every day. Wait a minute. You are BSing your way through this just like me. Mm, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Eric says, choose the right. Sing it, Yach. No. Choose the right? Yep. Oh, baby, baby, I'm choosing the right. Oh, baby, baby, don't turn out the light. Oh, baby, baby, I'll see you tonight. Oh, baby, baby, choose the right. That tune? Well, for just making it up on the spot, that was awesome. But no, Yak was singing it for me during the break. Had a primary flashback. He, he was good, though. But he doesn't want to do it on the air. All of a sudden, the light goes on and Yak gets shy. That's how this works. No, thank you. Oh, baby, baby, choose the right. Oh, baby, baby. Like, for ad-libbing, that was pretty good. <laughs> what do you mean ad-libbing? That's one of my catalogs. It just hasn't been released yet. Ah, okay, the deep tracks. Got it. Yeah, oh, baby, baby. Come on, guys, join me. Oh, oh baby, 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 choose the right. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter and stop the madness. David DJ James, Kenny Rogers, the Gambler, best lyrics to live your life by, or you got something better? And by the way, we got this tweet, and I thought this was classic. Kenny Rogers dipping out in the middle of an apocalypse is the most no-when-to-fold-em bleep I've ever seen. 
That's pretty good. No, no way. No, 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 Tony, not at all. <laughs> Tony sent that in. Kenny Rogers is 81. Passes away over the weekend. Kenny lifts head off pillow, looks around. Yeah, I'm folding. <laughs> That's not true. Thanks, everybody. Good night. He was in hospice care. They he was in hospice family care. Knew that, the family knew that the end was... The end was near and uh, things were trending. It was pretty clear. Yes, we didn't know it. I, at least I didn't. I no, didn't I wasn't following it close enough. But when I, I read the story, I saw that they had been in hospice care and, and the, family, yeah. the family could uh, see where things were going. Right. Cruising Coog tweets in, every little thing is going to be all right. Bob Marley and the Whalers. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good, but uh, we have our first uh, corona death yesterday in the state. Yep. I don't know about that. And uh, the experts are predicting that the next week will be much worse in the state of Utah. So Really? Yep. Well, that's not good. Nope. Ron tweets at us, Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. I like that song. I mean, like a lot of people my age, a lot of li- I like a lot of Michael Jackson's music, but now I hear it, it doesn't feel as good as it did at the time. Was that all the other stuff around his life? It just kind of takes the edge off it. Neverland okay. Ranch right. was in Santa Barbara County, up in the San Ynez Valley. There are uh, there are a million stories, none of them good. A million stories? Wow! You know way more than I do. Uh, people are seeing the Tim McGraw tweet, and my timeline is blowing up with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tim McGraw, but it's true. People are getting a lot of, a lot of comedy there. There's a song by Trace Adkins where the kid's growing up. You're going to miss this. It's very sentimental, and it'll, it'll make you get teary-eyed. You're going cats in the cradle uh, so- time? Uh, you just, yeah, basically sort of a, a country version of, of that tune, of that, yeah. And it actually, it, it's a, it, it is, it's a different version of it, yeah. She was staring out the window of their SUV. When you hear the chorus Plain in a few seconds, you'll, you'll catch it. Said I'll make my own money and I'll So it's about a kid wanting to grow up fast. Yep. Mama put the car as opposed to the parent looking at the kid growing up. Hey, slow it down, slow it down. I'm enjoying this. Don't be racing out the door. Yeah. Said I was just like you. Yeah. You're gonna miss this. You're gonna want this man. Yox lip syncing in here. I like this song. It's a good song. PK has good pull on this one. So it's about kids wanting to grow up so fast and they don't realize that this is the most carefree time of their lives. Yep. True story. Yeah. Going outside to play workups. Going outside for a basketball game. Right. Kids don't play workups anymore, do they? I don't even know what that is. Uh, it was a baseball game when you didn't have enough guys. You don't have enough players, so you close right field. You don't have teams. If we had a lot of kids, there'd be like three kids batting, shortstop, two outfielders, a pitcher. 
Never had a catcher. Okay. Yeah. Pitcher's hand, you don't throw the ball to first base to get someone out. You throw it back to the pitcher, and then it's a judgment okay. call, and there'd be arguments. Ghost oh, that's fun arguing. Yeah, if you catch a fly ball, whoever's at the plate has to go into the outfield. Yeah. If it's a ground out or a strikeout, then everybody moves up one position. You also have ghost runners, and you can tap Yeah, that ghost out. runners, yeah. absolutely. You have to have ghost runners. I stepped on third before you got to first. Yeah, all that stuff. Uh, here comes another one. James Allred says, I hope you dance by Leanne Womack. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, I got that one. I, I know which one you're talking about. Luke says, Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. Good life advice. Never name your, <laughs> never name your son Sue. <laughs> Strong point there, Luke. Because <laughs> I'm the bleeping, bleeping, bleeping who named you Sue. <laughs> yeah, what could I do? <laughs> R.E.M., it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Just sent that in. Hey, no, nothing, nothing, nothing ever by R.E.M. I don't know why you hate R.E.M. so bad. I mean, they're not great, but they're all right. Oh, they're little nerdy dudes. They suck. A bunch of are little nerdy dudes. Serious, true story. If you have a chance, it's, a, it's actually, I think it'd be a great vacation or a long weekend. You fly to Cleveland... You drive down the freeway an hour to Canton. You see the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's really good. Then you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame second because it's way better. Canton won't be good. And I'm way more sports guy than I am music guy. But I went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and was blown away. It is awesome. It is so well done. And one of the displays in there that I had no idea was there that was really, really good is they have clothing from rock stars from famous movies and famous tours. And you walk through this room, and the number one thing I realize is these are all very small people. I didn't fit in any of it. Is everybody 5'6 or 5'7? Where are the 6'2 no, musicians? Oh, they're playing sports, not my they're not guys. musicians. Not my guys. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're 100%. I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame four times. But no. REM is a bunch of little skinny twerps. Come on. <laughs> My guys, they're not skinny twerps. Kenny Chesney, he played high school football. Yeah, he's small, but he was tough. Okay, see, back to small. Okay, Clarence. But he played high school football. It's, I, I'm not, I don't care if you're small. It's, you got to have some toughness about you. Does REM, they're, they're drinking lattes, man. Come on. <laughs> they're drinking lattes. <laughs> Yes. Hey, Clarence Clemens was the big man because he was six five. Okay, I'll give you that one. But the You're rest of the band, little tunes. The rest of the band was a bunch of five six and five seven guys. Uh, you go tell Steve Van Sant that he's not tough. Van Sant is just his uh, second father's name. That wasn't his birth name. If you get my drift. Come on, Did you see him on Sopranos. He was a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Stevie Van Zandt's got to be about 5'7". But now, still tough. It's words, not about the height. In the words You're missing of, the point. In the words of, uh, in the words of Craig Bowlerjack, Stevie Van Zandt, pound for pound. Okay, sure. <laughs> sure. It's, it's way more than just the height. You can't do anything about your height. I get that. Come on, man. 
Uh, the Scott Snob. So how do you Cali kids deal with it all the time? Every shake is unnerving because the thoughts of the big one. It is unnerving, yeah, we've, absolutely. We've, we've had another, it was about a 3.0, 3.1 uh, aftershock this morning. And uh, it was while we were interviewing Steve Cleveland. And, uh-huh. I, and I was looking at Yach, and Yach was literally swaying back and forth. He was queuing up some music you texted him about or something. Said, I'm like, this isn't bothering Yach at all. And so when, the, when no, my mic was off, I'm like, Yach, I'm pretty sure I just felt another aftershock. Yeah, it was swaying. And, and he goes, oh, yeah, you did. I'm like, Yach, you're handling this now. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm trying to get by because after what happened, was it Tuesday? Was it Wednesday? When, when you the 5.7 when you were here on the fifth floor. I've still got some, like, PTSD, I guess we'll call it, from that. So it was, I'm trying to deal with it as best I can. Sit on this fifth floor, and this building starts swaying. It feels like you're on a boat. Well, I guess the thing I would tell the Scotch snob is, you know, how much damage has there been? How many injuries have there been? I, I would take my chances with this before I'd, I'd want to deal with the, the hurricanes that uh, the eastern seaboard gets, the tornadoes uh, that go through the plains. Yeah, okay, but the problem is when it starts, you don't. That's the terrifying aspect. Yeah, of you it. don't know. At when the you're start, right, right in, when it starts, and you don't know how long it's going to last. That's what always got me in California because you were on the verge of the so-called big one mm-hmm. at any time, and then you're thinking, is this going to be the big one? Now this thing can rattle and roll to a 4.1 all at once. And after a while, you're not going to bat an eyelash. In fact, last night, our well, she's 15 now. She turned 15 on Friday. She came out of the, her bedroom. Did you guys feel that? No. What are you talking about? Oh, I just felt it. Blah, 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 blah. We didn't feel a thing. And I said, my wife and I were in the living room, and we didn't feel a thing. And I said to her, well, if you're right, let me check my phone, and I'll be able to tell you here in about uh, maybe a minute and a half because it'll be on social network, uh, social media, and I'm, I, I'm not spending as much time on social media now because most of my time on Twitter is through uh, is for sports stuff. Well, there's really no not a whole lot of sports news going on right now, right? So I get the phone, I look. Oh, yeah, 4.1. And she said we got her in a little aquarium for her birthday. And she said, yeah, I was on my bed, and I looked over at the aquarium, and I saw the water shaking. We actually didn't feel a thing, and we're right down the hall. And she felt it, and she was totally right, and we didn't feel a thing. So the 4.1s, they're not going to rattle you that much. But when it starts, you're thinking, is this going to be the 7-whatever? And then you have that fear and it's literally breathtaking until it ends. I get that 100%. Having been there in California for I don't know how many I I can I can recall five earthquakes in California. And here we'll be hopefully hopefully we'll be talking about this one for the next 100 years because that means there'll be nothing that will supersede it. I'm in favor of that. Yes. I like what I like I like the way you're thinking right there. Right, exactly. Because you're right. Living in California, there's a bunch of them that you remember. Uh, I remember one when I was a little kid that knocked down freeway overpasses in L.A. I can still remember. They, they were actually building it. It wasn't done yet, which I think made it more vulnerable. And, uh, and I still remember the shot uh, out of L.A. of this freeway overpass to the middle of nowhere. And I remember it freaking me out. And I was probably like seven. But, yeah, that left a mental image. 
But some of them you don't feel. Some of them you don't notice. I think it depends on where you are. If you're outside on the ground, there was an earthquake in San Diego when I was, I was in high school, I think. I was probably like ninth or 10th grade. And uh, our house uh, wasn't, a lot of houses in California have the slab floor, but the house we lived in at that time didn't. There was like a, there wasn't a basement, but there was a crawl space underneath. There was probably like three feet off the ground. And so you could feel a little more. And my mom was inside the house and I was in the, I was standing on the driveway and uh, she came out and said, do you feel that? I, I had no idea. No, and sure enough, it was on the news, and just like you said, it was like a 3.8 or something. I don't know what it was. Uh, but inside the house, you could feel it. Yach being on the fifth floor is going to feel it different than somebody who's uh, you know getting out of their car, walking down the sidewalk. On terra firma versus yeah. we're in yeah. an elevated position. Yeah. yeah, totally different deal. All right, you know the song that is winning, PK? Kenny Rogers, The Gambler, that has 11 likes. And I assume that that's people saying, yeah, that is the best lyrics to guide your life. We're getting other uh, random uh, nominees here, but no one is really uh, coalescing behind anyone. Oh, this had to happen, though. You knew this was coming. This was a no-doubter. Jaron, ACDC, Highway to Hell. Somebody, you knew somebody was going to tweet that in. That's what Twitter is for, is for comments like that one. Yeah, if you want a short life. So now we have REM, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. We have ACDC Highway to Hell. So, you don't have to be clever now. We've got those. Sorry, what was that? You okay? I think I'd be a nasty That's one of your better ones, actually. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm dead on when it comes to ACDC. Now, give me a little drum roll here. Come on, Snakes. Get ready for the course. Are you ready? Are you ready? I was born ready. Are you ready for the chorus? Ready? Three, two, one. to hell. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I don't want to be on that highway. No, thanks. I can pass on that. <laughs> I'll take the overpass. No stop signs, speed limit. Nobody's going to slow me down. Yeah, that sounds good. You know what's going to slow you down is death at 27. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Coming up, we're going to talk a little college football with Yogi Roth, football analyst for the Pac-12 Networks, and uh, PK Spring Football. We got, uh, got a little more of a taste of it at some schools than we did at others. How many practices your devils get in? Uh, I think they probably got in about uh, six or seven because they start a little bit earlier. Uh, actually, I think uh, Herma Edwards' logic on that was pretty good. His thought was start the practices early, and uh, people are doing pro days. Uh, they're not doing them now, obviously, so this didn't really apply this year. But you can get more folks coming to your campus to watch you during spring ball since that's the time they're getting ready to get out. And then if anybody has injuries, it gives you longer time to recover. 
if, if you should have that. If you have an injury so, in spring ball before you get to the August. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And and they they've got a they've got, they don't have an indoor thing. They have a bubble that they put up so they can go inside and out cuz obviously the weather's mostly good enough uh, in February that you can be outside too so they can go back and forth. But yeah, one of the things I want to ask Yogi is who's going to be hurt the most because you go through the conference and you can make a case for a lot of teams. I was thinking about this. If this was last year, Kyle Whittingham could put his feet up because last year was the most boring spring ball ever. So many questions were already answered. They didn't have any questions. Who's going to be your freaking kicker and punter and a couple of guys on the offensive line? That was about it. Now, they did have Andy Ludwig, who was coming in offensively for the first time. But a lot of that, uh, you know, is studying and whatnot. You could have done it without necessarily a spring ball. And obviously Tyler Huntley did that well. And I thought Andy, Andy Ludwig had a phenomenal season as a play caller last year. But this year... My gosh, they got a thousand questions. Of speaking of the Utes, they got questions all over the field, and now they're not having an opportunity. Then you look at both Washingtons have new coaches, uh, Colorado new coaching staff, uh, ASU's got a new coordinator on offense that they're bringing in, a uh, new coordinator on defense too. But they've basically uh, promoted from within. Marvin Lewis is going to do a lot of it, and he's been on the staff now here for over a year. So, uh, so many teams. Uh, have a lot of questions. Uh, UC, uh, USC has a new defensive coordinator that they're going to try to implement. Now, the thing about it is it flushes out because nobody's getting an edge on anybody because nobody's doing anything right now. So, But there's still a lot of questions, and particularly the Utes. I can make a case that Utah, as far as it's on-the-field product, has as many questions that need to be answered as anybody in the conference. Although yet, and we'll get to it in the coming weeks, uh, as we transition away from, uh, you know, how much are you missing sports? We can only do that for so long. And you're going to see a lot of college football that will be hitting. And I'm seeing a lot of people still giving the Utes a ton of respect. Most of the early season polls are not even season, but you get the point, spring polls and whatnot, I see them pick second in the division, which I think is a ton of respect for these guys. I haven't seen them pick lower than third. I have seen them pick second. I think I saw one person pick them first, which really surprised me. But I think the fact that they are routinely in the top three doesn't go so much to the roster because, I mean, to your point, there's obviously huge questions. How could there not be? Look at all the new starters that we're going to see on defense for the Utes. Uh, and, and plus, you know, the star running back, the starting quarterback, the left tackle, as Kyle Winningham, you know, laid it out for us when he was on the air a few weeks ago with us. Uh, so, yes, certainly. But I think that when you see the top half and the bottom half, I think that there's three programs in the South that people think are just in disarray. Two programs that are solid but have question marks. And one program that might be dis- in disarray but has so many built-in advantages that they should never fall out of the top three anyway. And so I think that it's USC, Utah, and ASU, one, two, three, in some order. And then it's UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado, four, five, six, in some order. And I think people feel a little better that they saw some signs of progress out of UCLA. I think UCLA is routinely going to be four. It'd be weird to have a unanimous number four, but I think that's what UCLA is going to be uh, because they showed a little hope in the other two. 
it's, nobody knows what to expect out of Arizona and Colorado, but the expectations are very low for both those programs for different reasons, but still very low. We'll talk about that with Yogi Roth coming up next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. New England Patriots have signed veteran quarterback Brian Hoyer to a one-year deal. Hoyer was released by the Colts Saturday. He has been Tom Brady's backup in Foxborough in 2017 and 18. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting quarterback Jameis Winston bid the franchise farewell in a post on social media that read in part, It's been a great five seasons as a Buck. All love and respect. I love Tampa. I look forward to seeing you all again in February. Niners signed wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders for two years and $16 million. Utah freshman Matt Van Komen is in the NCAA transfer portal. He played in nine games as a freshman after joining the youths from Pleasant Grove High School. UVU had two juniors enter the portal as well, including Isaiah White, who averaged 14.8 points and 8.5 rebounds per game for the Wolverines. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res Carpet Cleaning has been proven in lab tests to remove more dirt and soils and other methods. Our patented technology is the best in the industry. Schedule your Zero Res cleaning today at just $33 per room, and the fourth room's free. Call Zero Res at 801-288-9376 or check them out online at zeroresaltlake.com. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. You ready? You guys Ready? Have you ever treaded water for a long time? Yeah, I took a uh, water polo class in high school, and that whole sport's about treading water. How'd you do? I mean, I wouldn't say Were I was good at it. I could do enough to play. What about you? You a you good water treader? Well, this is a little known fact. Oh, but, man, uh, I should never I, have asked, should I? All right, I'm not going. No, go ahead, go no, ahead. No, you no, already no, started. No, no, We're I'm just treading to... water anyway. I was just going to mention the record I set that one time, you know, treading water, but I, I really don't want to get into it. <laughs> You know, how you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. Turn this out. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. All right, it's time now to bring in Yogi Roth, football analyst for the Pac-12 Networks. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Yogi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Well, you know, adjusting to the new normal, as is everybody else. And I wonder what that means for Yogi Roth. I assume that means you've gone back and watched cut-ups of every Pac-12 game all year. Am I right? <laughs> it, it's, it hasn't happened exactly like that. Um, you know, I've been able to uh, become a preschool teacher to our five-year-old now. So we, we kick off school about 9.30 every morning. And then uh, we go for a couple hours. And in the afternoon, I get some good tape in, which is fun because he's been watching it with me. So I haven't gotten through every game. But uh, it's definitely been fun to kind of watch some of the meaningful ones back and you look at some teams that are losing some key players and you start to imagine what you hoped you would have seen in the spring. And then, of course, I've been talking to some coaches about, you know, what does quote-unquote spring even look like now. So, um, yeah, days are days haven't been exactly uh, the same every single day, at least for the, for the first week or so of this. Did I see you on social media, Yogi, say you were practicing intermittent fasting and about 90 minutes into your first one you were starving to death? <laughs> That's pretty fair, uh, to be quite honest. It's my, 
My, yeah, my, my wife does that all the time. And uh, so I've done it. I, I've had my stints where I, like, make it a day or I make it, like, four days or I make it two weeks. And then I'll see, like, Kyle Whittingham. I'll get inspired and I'll try to see if I can carry it out. But I'm a breakfast guy. You know, I don't need and I, don't, I really don't even need another meal the rest of the day. Like, I need a breakfast and then, like, like a latte or something midday. And then I'm usually pretty good. Well, then you're already intermittent fasting if you don't eat after breakfast until breakfast the next day. You know, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I always thought it was like, you know, you, you got to do it at 6 o'clock at night to, to noon or whatever it is. But, yeah, yeah you're right. I'm going to tell, tell my wife this after this. Like, I'm basically just doing it in reverse. I think most people do it that way just because they find it easier. You know, you've slept through overnight, so there's eight hours or so, and you get up and you sl- if you skip breakfast, that's just, you know. I think a lot of Americans are already skipping breakfast, so it's the easiest one to do. All right, so agreed, agreed. we're looking at the uh, we were we were we've just been talking about this. We were looking at the uh, the spring predictions. Uh, you know, you see what recruiting classes come in and who might be able to plug in a, a transfer or a freshman or something, and who's got depth and who needs a new quarterback. And, and so you rank the six teams in the Pac-12 South, and it seems like the Utes are routinely being picked second or third. I don't see how that can be on the strength of the roster. They got to replace almost the whole defense plus the quarterback, the star running back, and the left tackle on offense. So it seems to me that's more an evaluation of the strength in a program, and that's pe- people dismissing chronic weaknesses in programs at UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado. Is that how you see it? Yeah, you know, I made the mistake last year. I thought uh, you know UW would win the North. <clears throat> that's why I picked um, to, to kick off the season. And obviously it was wrong, and it was based on historicals, right? It was, you know, the consistency of Chris Peterson, the consistency of replacing players. Like, they've done it before, right? You think about, you know, they lost Buda Baker and replaced him with Taylor Rapp, you know, and they lose Taylor Rapp and replace him with Elijah Molden. You know, like, you just you don't think it's going to change. Uh, but the reality is, is they lost, you know, I think it was – 10 of 11 or something like that on the defense. They're 9 of 11 last year heading into the season. Very similar to, to Utah. And uh, and you're right. You know, this conference is just brutal when you look at the way the schedule is laid out. You know, the good thing, good thing for Utah this year, other than obviously kicking off with the BYU, Montana State, Wyoming, two games they should go get before they, they play Cal. But it's kind of what happened to UW last year, too. If you think about it, when they lost that crazy game that went until about 2.30 in the morning or so, um, so yeah, I'm a little uh, I'm apprehensive to go down that road now. Of like, you know what, the program just doesn't flinch; they'll just reload, and away they go. You have to like recognize like greatest defense in my, in my era of calling games on the Pac-12 networks. I think that was the best defense. You know, when you look at individual personnel, because a lot of guys are going to end up finding their way to the league, or how they played cohesively as a unit. So I do think they've got. Um, you know they'll get picked high, but they got to reload. And not having the spring, um, at least presumably, is is going to be difficult in, in that regard. Um, regarding the team and the 15 practices or whatever they would go get to uh, figure out the depth chart, but let alone really understand and be able to play fast. And a lot of teams are going to be in that hole, so it might net out. But a lack of experience um, at some key spots, I think, will be something for Utah that, that I'll look at. But I still think they're one of the best. They're a top four program in this conference, you know, defending South Champs twice. You know, SC's loaded coming back. Um, but they got to do the same thing on defense, per se, at least from a scheme standpoint, even though they return their players. 
When you look at the loss of spring ball, Yogi, I'm wondering who you think it affects the most because you've got a number of programs having new coaches, if not head coach, then coordinators, and then also, too, you got teams trying to place replace quarterbacks, and then you got somebody like the Utes, who seems like, uh, particularly on defense, they're trying to replace everybody. So who do you think is hurting the most, or do you think it just washes out? I don't think it washes out. I mean, I look at teams like UCLA. You know, this is a team, year three, Chip Kelly, right? I always think of, like, Baylor, year three. I think they were, like, 11-2 and two they finished, I think, last year. You know, and they went. They started at one and eleven, I believe, the first year under Matt Rule. So here's a UCLA team that was dangerous. You know, the last two years of Chip Kelly, right? They beat SC his first year. You know, last year they you know, some really competitive games. You know, they they went through that stretch prior to heading into Utah, but they didn't go to a bowl game. So they haven't really doing anything in terms like legit football. You know, with pads out for a while. So I look at a team like that where you're trying to really, you know maintain momentum, the drive from not achieving, you know, a bowl game or any postseason success, I, I think it hurts those teams. You know, same thing with, like, in Arizona, you know. And then I look at Colorado, you know, with brand-new staff. You know, quarterbacks who I thought they was going to start there, Blake Stenstrom, entered the, the transfer portal. You know, they got a mid-year enrollee from Texas who is a beast. But we all know what that means. You know, it's still a different world. So I, I think those teams, and then even Washington State, you know, the run and shoot, I, I played in it. It is my favorite offense, I've admitted many times, in the game. But it's based on reps, you know. And granted, in the past game, like, you can get those with your with your guys in offseason workouts, but we don't even know when those will be allowed to occur. So I, I'd go with those four teams. Um, you know, a team like Stanford, you know, where they got in, you know, a week and a half of practice. You know, Davis Mills was dealing. So for a team that didn't have a bowl game, like, mitigate it, you know, because of because of that factor, and they were able to play a little bit. But I, when I look at those, you know, initial teams that I referenced, where I, I think it's going to be hard for them. You know, I'm really interested. Uh, we're talking with Yogi Roth here from the Pac-12 Networks. I'm really interested in USC because it seems to me like they could be several different teams. It seems like the frontline talent is there. It seems like off what I've read about the recruiting, the depth might not be. So they might be pretty good early on. But if they have injuries, how well could they ride out that storm and – how fragile are they? You know, as long as things are going well, that's great. But how fragile are they if something starts to go wrong? Because I wondered that a year ago, and they took some hits early. They finished strong, but they couldn't quite catch the Utes. Yeah, well, it's an interesting year, right? Like last year was kind of like teams had two buys. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really happen for everybody this year, you know, including, you know, SC in that regard. So they have one basically in the middle of the season to kind of reload and regroup. And if you bookend it, they start with Bama and end with Notre Dame. You know, not the, the easiest of roads, and, and that's what SC's about, right? I mean, they even canceled their game against UC Davis. Um, I think it was for next year because, you know, SC's one of uh, two schools or three schools in the country to never play an FCS opponent. Um, regardless of that, their their reality is the following for me, and I've been around them the most in the offseason just from a natural proximity standpoint and being around the program and hosting a couple events for them. You know, th- this team's dialed in, man. I mean, this is this team's locked. They're loaded offensively. We know what they are. You know, the receivers that they lost, or at least in Michael Pittman Jr., obviously it's a loss, but 
Kyle Ford and Brew McCoy would start everywhere in the country for the most part, you know, at least be a part of the conversation and they're going to be fighting for reps. So they're loaded on offense. they got five running backs. Their offensive line in this system is good enough. It's way above average in that regard. I, I get they have to replace Austin Jackson, who you know, we'll see where he gets drafted, but everything seems like he's a first-round pick. Um, but they've got consistency on that side of the ball. Defensively, it's been really interesting because Clay Helton hasn't, doesn't have one coach on his staff that he had day one when he became the full-time head coach. But everybody there whether it was an offensive player or a defensive player. And I was just with JT Daniels, Talano Hofunga, their quarterback and safety. And they talked about how they felt the staff and just a different type of discipline there. And I think that is going to be great for the program. Um, I think it makes guys prove that, you know, they're worthy of playing. And they've got veteran players, to your earlier point. You know, they got one of the best linebackers, I think, in the conference, Pallet EA, now Teote. Um, they've got defensive linemen that, uh, you guys know better than anybody in Jay Tefele. You know, like they, they've got talent all over the roster. Um, if they can become mature talent, which they haven't been in a while, then they're going to be dangerous, you know. And that, to me, is what spring would have been great for. Because in L.A., you know, or just society in general, it's built on being an individual to a large degree. And if SC can get the talented individuals to play cohesively as a unit, like Utah did last couple of years on defense, and really how they have, in a, you know, for the – Kyle Whittingham tenure, they're going to be super dangerous. So right now, I, I would pick them if you had to pick somebody in the South based on the losses at Utah. Uh, I was I was bummed I didn't get to watch them in spring ball, but I, I I think that they'll be as dangerous as anybody because early on, when teams are struggling, you know this as well as I do. Teams are going to struggle on defense. It's going to be communication. It's going to be splits. It's going to be alignments. Just in terms of not having spring ball, not having these reps. You know, even not having the strength and conditioning. But offensively, like, they're going to have to move the ball. You know, they're going to be dealing. Quarterback, whoever it ends up becoming, whether it's Keaton or JT, they're going to be just fine. So I think early on in the year, they'll be dangerous if they can, you know, be mentally mature because they're going to have to be, obviously, with week one tilt against Alabama. What do you think the loss uh, uh, looks like it's heading that way of spring ball is going to do to impact training camp when it starts in August? It's a great question. I've been banging around with, with Ted Robinson on our podcast, and I I, I think that um, I don't want to project too hard, right? Like, I'm not in any conversation with any campus officials or conference officials, but if you play this thing out just based on the news last night, right, of you know how serious this is, first and foremost, and you know how groups of people larger than you know in some countries it can't be more than two right we're talking about a sport where you know there's a team in every conference on average i would imagine that gets some sort of you know god forbid staff infection or flu or something passes through a locker room and it passes through football faster than anything because you got 105 115 guys in training camp you know, constantly connected, whether it's like legitimately physically because they're contacting each other in drills or within, you know, a three-foot proximity just in the locker room or, you know, all the things of that nature. So I think it's going to impact it. Um, and then you look at the physicality, and, and I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, how are guys working out right now? Like, we know they're really driven, right? I, I don't think football players, at least at the highest of levels and the highest of programs, they're not lazy individuals. Right? Coaches are super anal and organized. So kids have their workouts. So they're doing a 1,000 push-ups or 
burpees or whatever it is that they're doing, they're doing their best to remain in shape. But the reality is, is I think that if you don't do anything in terms of an organized team activity, weight room, running, conditioning, you can't come back August 1st and just or in, in Pac-12 situation, July 26th, 27th, 28th, is when most teams were projected to start training camp, and just start laying the wood. And you just can't do it. You know, your body will, will break. You know, think about what teams have already done to curtail training camp to make sure that they're, they're ready to peak, you know, the, in week one of the season. They're going to have to curtail it even more, which, which is tough. So I think, you know, if it's me, I'm saying maybe we come back and it's a three-week um, organized team activity, right, which is like seven-on-seven seven drills, mat drills, movement drills. Get, get your body right, and then maybe it's in a bridge training camp, and maybe we lose a game or two, and the season gets going in that regard. If this thing goes as at least projected as of last night's news, that that might be an option if, if you had to lose games. Hopefully not. You know, Hopefully this is under control in the next couple months, and you know, kids can get back on campus and, you know, continue to, you know, feed their bodies and, you know, all the stuff that I'm sure you guys have talked about. But there, there's so many unintended elements of this from a student-athlete standpoint, from a health and wellness, first and foremost, with COVID-19, let alone then you look at the athlete and the performance and how are they training, how are they feeding their bodies, how are they sleeping, all the, all the amazing things that each campus has that obviously now is not part of the day-to-day of a student-athlete's life. So is recruiting down to uh, phone calls when allowed and texting and uh, social media posts? Yeah, I think recruiting is going to be interesting now. Um, you know, we saw one of the top quarterbacks in the country um, commit to Oregon last week. I saw him at the Elite 11. I think it was like one of the final Elite 11s that we had before you know, suspending the, the, the camp circuit. Um, I, I think so. I think it's going to naturally do that. I think, though, that is going to be a – you know, one of the positives that come out of this, you know, coaches obviously and everyone having to be quarantined with their families. Um, you know, it's a terrible circumstance, but not being on the road in May will be okay. You know, they'll survive that. I think from an athlete standpoint of, you know, all the quote-unquote love that they would get, um, and a lot of it is, un- is unnecessary in my opinion. You know, maybe that shifts things back a little towards normalcy in terms of, you know, a little bit of balance in college football and the profession, uh, let alone in recruiting. Uh, and, you know, or, or you're going to go the opposite and teams are just going to take big risks and just start offering guys that you know, they only have seen on junior tape and haven't been able to walk by and size up. And uh, I hope in the, in the programs I've talked to, a lot of people are kind of slowing down to a certain degree and saying, hey, we're going to be just fine. Like, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, you know, there's been, you know, 90, I, I call it 92 years, 93 years of college football you know, you could argue even longer than that. Maybe maybe it's 142, 143 years of college football where they had recruiting that didn't have like a crazy social media and in-person element. So I think the sport will be just fine. But it, it will impact teams that were able to get on guys early, get them to campus, get a silent commit. But I don't think anything is going to like tear down programs and have to rebuild and you lose a whole recruiting class based on what's going on right now. Wondering if this situation will limit the impact of newcomers, whether they be JC guys or freshmen who get on campus in August, because the coaches they might not have time to give them the individual instruction and maybe go more with veteran guys. Do you see a forecast like that possibly happening? Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, the redshirt rule is a brilliant rule overall. 
and it's an even better rule regarding the situation that you just outlined. Because um, you're going to have to ease guys in. You know, I mean, that's just the, the reality of it. You know, you can't burn out their bodies. You know, to me, um, I've always felt this. We did this with Reggie Bush when he came to SC, and, and I still think it's the best way to bring in JC players, first-year players, transfer first-year players, is to give them one, two, or three things to learn, right? So if it's running back, it's, you know, hey, I want you to learn outside zone, and I want you to learn an angle route and a wheel route, you know, for instance. That's it, you know, and that's all you give them. Receiver, we used to do it with uh, guys when they come in SC, whether it was Mike Williams, Dwayne Jarrett, Patrick Turner. You name the guys that came in. It was learn a slant, learn a post, and learn a fade. And the fade was the hardest one to teach, to be quite honest with you, because of all the you know nuances of the, of the route. And, and then you go from there. Okay, and then by week three, week four, you get a bye, and they get to take a breath and you know, relax and teach them a little bit more. So, but, but I do think that if you're counting on – you know, a freshman quarterback, for instance, it's hard right now because all these guys came in mid-year, right? And they're doing everything they can. They're in their books. They're Skyping or FaceTiming with their coach, you know, or Zooming. Like, they're, they're doing – but you can't replace the reps, you know? It's just it's just a reality to the sport. So I, I do think there's an element there. Um, and you'll probably see teams, you know, be more conservative, you know, especially if teams are loaded on the defensive side. Right, you know, I look at Washington as an example. Right, they bring in a new offensive coordinator. They're going to play a guy who's never played meaningful snaps in a game. You know, I, I take that back. I think uh, one of the quarterbacks had one meaningful snap because the helmet of Jacob Eason came off last year in a game that I was calling. You know, in Sermon. So o- overall, they're going to play with great defense. You know, run the football, and that's kind of how Jimmy Lake outlined his approach anyway. But you you can't. I don't say you can't, but you, you, you're not very confident in terms of throwing out a guy who's, you know, call it, has had 28 practices. You know, it's still, it's, it's not zero, but it's still not a lot of, it's a trust factor, you know, that I think the coaches are, are all going to have to deal with. But everybody's going to have to deal with it, to be quite honest with you. So it's a simplification of the playbook. It's a simplification of the decision-making of, you know, the respective player. And then it's, I think, probably playing really conservative. And I would bet that most of training camp, at least the first 10 days of it this year, will be more individual periods than we've ever seen in the history of training camps to, to that point, just to kind of drill home you know, some of those elements that win and lose you ball games, which are explosive plays, which usually busts, and turnovers, which, which speak for themselves. Yogi, as always, we appreciate a few minutes with you. Thanks for checking in, and uh, good luck in your new career as a kindergarten teacher. Hey, we got a big science experiment. If you have any, hit me up because I'm literally Googling every night, like kid science experiment, and that's our 11 a.m. break before uh, we get a little rest time. So uh, kick them over, please. I need, I need all the help I can get. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback, what you think about today's show, and it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. So, Kenny Rogers passed away over the weekend. The Gambler. 
Epic song. PK, you brought up is the, lyri- the, the lyrics in The Gambler. Are they the best life guide, the best life advice that you can get in music, or is there a better song? And Ryan tweets at us, look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? Look, what's the risk? What's the reward? I'd have to evaluate that before I answer that question. I was, I was hoping you were going to use your normal, thank you, planer peanut. <laughs> I know. That sounds good, but it, <laughs> all these, you know, I'm just going to go skydiving without a parachute and whatnot because I'm going to throw all caution to the wind. That sounds all good until you're in the actual moment and you have to make those decisions. Dude. So I get that philosophy to do all that stuff, but when faced with that decision right at that particular time, I'm not so sure yeah, just caution of the wind is really the right way to go. You may not want to step out of that perfectly good airplane is what you're saying. Yeah. Cats in the Cradle, Harry Chapin, D. Corey says that is the best song to guide your life. That's depressing. <laughs> it is. That's a downer of a tune. Jess says, I flick the channel every time I hear it. <laughs> Jess says, of all things to keep open, I assume golf, golf courses would be the one. The interactions are limited on the course. We're not sharing equipment. You don't have to share a cart. They can wipe a cart down if someone rents it. But the courses are closing. So Salt Lake City courses are closed today. They opened yesterday, closed today. Salt Lake County and already closed I just closed found there. out this morning. Yeah. That's correct. I just found out this morning River Oaks in Sandy is uh, closing. Because I play in a men's league on Tuesdays, but not, not for the time being. Well, I assume the same thing Jess did. But, you know, when you assume, what happens? Makes a certain thing out of you. And yeah, me. I don't. I don't have any answers on that stuff. I mean, come on, that's for the professionals and the experts, experts. and all that stuff. Whatever, whatever they going to, whatever they're going to say, I'm gonna try my best to uh, abide by it and and then see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I got it. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Tony and Austin are coming up next, and we will talk to you tomorrow right here on ninety-seven five and twelve.